Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, thanks for listening. Welcome. Today we have a very delicious guest. (laughs) She's straight from the homeland of Italy, our first Italian guest. She's also one of the first friends that I made in Mysore, India in 2004. She is a woman who I love and respect very much. And you're going to enjoy the references to the great painter Morandi, the Italian painter, as well as Mazzarella and Parmigiana and uh, the god of wine and all things that are deliciously Italian with our guest Susanna Finocchi. Um, we might throw in a few uh, Ferrari references as well for good measure, so pay attention. And you'll also get to think a little bit about what it means to progress in the practice, what it means to take on a teacher, and, um, you know, how to handle the frustration of um, not progressing as quickly as the people around you or next to you or your close friends or loved ones. Uh, Susanna Finocchi started her practice in Italy. It took her to Mysore, and eventually she along with her partner Jens, started the first traditional Ashtanga Yoga school fully committed to teaching the Ashtanga Yoga practices as they were being taught in Mysore, India. They started their school in Copenhagen, and it was the first school in Denmark. They together ran the school for 18 years from infancy to adulthood, and only three years ago uh, closed its doors. Now Susanna is traveling and teaching Mysore Weeks and workshops, developing uh, relationships with students all over Europe, and so maybe she'll be in your area. She's a delight to work with and a wonderful human being. I know you're going to love this interview, and it's made me seriously consider getting pizza tonight in honor and celebration of uh, this amazing woman. I also just want to remind you of two exciting events coming up this Saturday. Saturday, November 13th. One, the first one is a workshop that I am teaching with Keen on Yoga called Preparations and Progressions for Dropbacks and Kapotasana. And so we'll be working on different strategies, preparations, using some props, different postures, and sequence progressions you can use to help you open your shoulders and your upper body, as well as strengthen the legs to help support these challenging asanas. I would love for you to join me, so please sign up and uh, come online. You can always get the replay if you can't join live. It's going to be a really fun um, workshop where we get to work on a lot of different backbend preparations and it's great for all levels you don't have to be advanced of course you can be a beginner and just uh, work at your own pace and at your own stage as well on that same Saturday November 13th we will be uh, participating in the annual global gala for yoga gives back charity you can join me for an online panel that I will be hosting along with uh, David Swenson will be on the panel and some other teachers as well. 
and we will be talking about taking yoga off the mat, but it's a whole day actually of inspiration and mindfulness. Uh, Krishna Das will be singing and different uh, panels and talks that you are welcome to attend. And we will be honoring Dr. Muhammad Yunus, the Nobel Peace Laureate, with the Namaste Award. The entire event that day is all by donation. Everything goes to Yoga Gives Back, and you can attend with a donation. We're about $20,000 short of our goal of $50,000, so I would love if you would donate and join and attend whatever you can for the annual online global gala for Yoga Gives Back. So those are two events coming up this Saturday, November 13th, and I would love to see you at both or whichever one you could attend. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this beautiful podcast with Susanna. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell. Buongiorno. And we are here with a very dear friend of mine. Uh, Susanna Finocchi. Hello, Susanna. How are you? I'm very fine. Thank you. Hello, Harmony and Russell. Beautiful, oh. perfect pronunciation. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I practiced. Mm, yes, nice. yes. I can. I can tell. What <laughs> Thank is you your, so much. What is What does Finocchi mean? Actually, that's a very good question because it brings me exactly in the world where I started to work because finocchi means fennel. 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 Yes. Oh, that's delicious. Yes. And so we were also, (laughs) as an herbalist, uh, we were selling those as well, the seeds. Oh, wow. Very therapeutic, you say in English. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So here it comes. What would you say that the fennel is good for, Susanna? The fennel is good for digest, to digest and to remove the gas in the intestine, you know, methyrism. Oh, Do you know that? That's my problem. God. Yeah. All right. Oh. And also to, to help uh, the milk coming as some kind of uh, ah. for the women. Do yes. I- yeah. Yes. Oh, for the women. Okay. I know in yes. India they always give you the fennel at the end of the meal. Yeah. Yeah. That's France, why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not in danger of expressing milk, am I? If I take fennel, because <laughs> no. I no, could use it. Do for not the worry. Gas. Do not worry. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I do worry. <laughs> You have an introduction for our, for our guests, Harmony. What what do you have to say? Because they may not know Susanna. For us, for our generation, everyone knows Susanna. <laughs> oh, really? Well, yeah, sure. Everyone knows Susanna from Copenhagen. Well, I, you're... The Italian woman who lives in Copenhagen. Yeah, <laughs> we all know you. Well, you used to live in Copenhagen, didn't you? Yes. It's well, been well, a very important part of my life, actually. Yes, please. Go. Well, what I have here is is Susanna is founder of Ashtanga Yoga Copenhagen and the main teacher there for 18 years. Uh, you may remember her from their documentary on Trike Patabi Joyce's tour stop in Copenhagen. And Susanna, uh, Susanna comes from a family of herbalists. And what do you have, Harmony? Well, and also Susanna was just awarded an honorary International Yoga Day Award 
this year, oh. 2021, for the outstanding work you've done <laughs> over all of these years, so many years, uh, with your promotion of yoga in Denmark. Okay, that's thank you because it's a very long title and I always forget something. So thank you for saying all the words. They, yes, um, <laughs> thank you. So yeah, it's been uh, okay. Where I start from from harmony and then I go back to Russell question. Uh, <laughs> so yes, uh, I have been uh, having the honor to receive this uh, award in uh, Copenhagen for the work uh, done in Copenhagen to promote uh, yoga as uh, uh, like you said before Russell I've been there for 18 years uh, and I've been founding together with the Jens Bakke the Astanga mm. Yoga of Copenhagen and uh, he is we, Danish he is Danish and I am like Italian. that fellow Tim Feldman Tim Feldman is, is Danish totally, <laughs> totally true Totally true. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally <laughs> true. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know him. I remember him from his uh, Danish time <laughs> as well. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> that sounds like a better story. But keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I have many stories, you know. I have been there for some time. Mm. And uh, yeah. and uh, yes, so <laughs> I've <laughs> so I've been. Having this honor to have uh, to have the pleasure and to to get this recognition for the for the work that we did together, of course, with Jens also, I have to say, he, and uh, because he established the school, I've been the main teacher, as you said. So I've been basically teaching all those eighteen years. I've been in the main shala in the shala for. All the time I was in Copenhagen, basically, you could find me in the shower. Wow. I was there <laughs> morning and afternoon. Day and night. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was an easy place to find me, was there in the shower yes. with all the beautiful wow. people, Danish people. So, yes, we have been... Is that true? Are there the beautiful people? The Danish? Because that was our experience with Tim, was that he was the beautiful person. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Danish people are... Uh, uh, very beautiful people and uh, as all the people have their edges as well uh, like <laughs> everyone <laughs> uh, and uh, I am actually very very thankful and grateful to the Danish people because they made me a teacher a yoga teacher oh. I can say that uh, that I became a yoga teacher being in Denmark because before, then you, we can say, I've been teaching before, but I felt the teaching, the, the role of the teacher, the, the, the teaching uh, coming into when I came to Copenhagen is there mm. that I made myself a teacher with the Danish people, oh. basically. So I'm very thankful to them. I'd have to think that as a, 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 Rome, a Roman, a Roman citizen, that going to the North country would be very difficult. Going to, to yeah. Northern Europe would be so very different from what you're used to. Yes, and uh, it's, it's, it is. It is a very different culture. I mean, Italian culture, in some, for some aspect, is much closer to Indian culture than, than to the Danish culture. Though we are in Europe... But uh, we are really in the middle, 
I would say, uh, between uh, the pragmatism of the Scandinavian people, so very rational, efficient country and transparent uh, country, and India with all this uh, beautiful, uh, colorful way of living. And we are in between Italy. We, I mean, Italy people, Italian people, we are in, in the middle. And for sure, uh, has been that was a funny question because when I came to Copenhagen the first years, everybody was saying, "Why are you coming here from Rome, beautiful Rome?" And now that I came back to Rome three years ago, everybody is asking me, "Why you came here from <laughs> being in Denmark, the beautiful country where everybody lives happily, and here it's a mess?" So, so I just follow <laughs> my heart. There is nothing to do with the irrational thinking. <laughs> yeah. But it's true, though, like having grown up in, in New Orleans and now being back in Calgary, but my family being from Chicago and Detroit, you see these very deep cultural differences when you live someplace that's very hot and go someplace that's very cold. The people act very differently. And yes. you, can, you can miss how relaxed people are in the South. Yeah. And how they just, you know, let time sort of slip by. Whereas everything in the in the north, you kind of have to be on top of it because sh it shit gets really cold up here. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. You yeah. kind of have to take care of things. And so it's like the geography changes the people. I think you are super right. I think uh, it's a very good analysis, I would say. I, I would uh, agree with you. I agree with you, actually, because it's true. People in the North have to be organized. The, the cold weather is, uh, is a tough one. <laughs> and it doesn't uh, leave so much space to improvisation. Can I say that? Yeah. So you have, yeah otherwise, nice. you die. You die. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you die. Yeah. Here, more in the south, and then of course also Italy has a has a very funny shape. So it's very long country. So we also have differences between north and south. But I would say we are more south uh, people. The nature is very generous. So in somehow you survive. So for sure, yeah. there is this no uh, there is not this uh, a huge need to be so organized. Mm -hmm. uh, but life, of course, uh, I mean, that's also a surprise. As everything in life, this I've learned. Nothing is coming for free. There's always a price. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what is so, the, what's the price for, for that, for living like that in Italy? What's the price? The price is that uh, the efficiency is, um, is not so much existent. Right. And, so you, <laughs> and so there is uh, a lot uh, we spend uh, a lot lots of time to try to figure out what to do and mm. you do things and when you do things and you ask for permission or whatever then there is always something somebody else that he's taking over so there is never kind of ending story there is always somebody that has another responsibility on top of what you're asking for. And then there is another one and there's another one. So it's difficult to close the case. Can you repeat <laughs> that? There's always somebody that has another what? Yes. It's, uh, yeah, my English. Uh, it's like, um, it's not, um, it's difficult to find out who is responsible for something. 
Oh. So there is always somebody else that is responsible for what you have to do. Right. And right. before you get to that person, you have passed through many different uh, people. And mm. there is no way that you get directly to the person because sometimes also they don't know and laws are very detailed and very complicated. Sometimes they have to translate by <laughs> to understand themselves. So people, so you know, it's complicated, and you don't really understand yeah. what what is said, and so that's also sometimes the field uh, for create confusion and a little bit short ways that are not always the most legal one. So when there is no right. transparency, uh, it's easy not to find somebody else that helps you to find the easier way, and then there is more right. possibility to find. Uh, alternative ways that are not super legal, let's say. And that is still yeah. like this, though it's much better. I can see that there right. is a big effort. Uh, but still, but, it's very deep in our culture, Italian culture. Yeah. This is like uh, bakshish, right? Like bakshish is a way Music. of life in India because it's all these same things. You have this, no one wants to be responsible, but everyone has this piece of the bureaucracy. And if you want anyone to help you like you kind of need to encourage them with, with, <laughs> Let's put that with way. some yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's so interesting it, yes it that's why also i'm saying that uh, and also we i mean the first for instance i've been in copenhagen and one of the first thing i decided to do was to lose my license driving i was on the bicycle this i'm talking about year 2001 or two or something like that so i was fully italian at that time <laughs> and then i lost uh all, for some reason now it's not important the important thing is that i lost the driving license and then i got totally in panic because in my mind, I thought that I could, somebody could use my license to do some, I you say, robbery, bank robbery. So right. you see, the mind goes in completely strange directions because yeah, we are used to have much more, uh, I would say, uh, contiguity with things that are not straight. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, help, it happens. It happens. And yeah. so I was just wanted to go to the police office and say that I lost my, my license, blah, 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 blah. And I went there and everything was completely efficient. And they did a paper and they look at me and they'll be like, okay, she's a little bit weird, but okay, let's make this paper. Because for them, was not a problem <laughs> yeah. at all. And then, yeah, I, right. I, okay, I came back in Italy at that time. I didn't still live here or I was beginning. I don't remember exactly. And then I went to my police station to say, okay, I lost my documents. And I showed this paper. Yeah. And they said to me, you know what? I can, we cannot use this paper. I said, why? Because it's in Danish. We don't, it actually was in English. We don't understand English. So you have to, to translate it and it costs some money. And then I said, okay, so uh, what yeah. do we do? And then the guy said, okay, you know what? Just, uh, just uh, I say, uh, delete this paper. And we say that you have lost in an unknown place your license driving. So you see, and then I can, I could get my license again because I, I've done the report that my license was, uh, uh, I lost my license. But to say that wow. you cannot do things in this most straight way because the most straight way we say, okay, I bring this, uh, report and then from this report I can start the pro the procedure to get my new license. 
But that was not yeah. possible. Right. I had to make a translation and then, so that was a funny story. One, just to start yeah. my career in Denmark. <laughs> what did, what did, if you don't mind me asking, what did your father do? Was he around? You've talked a lot about your mother being an, an herbalist, an herbalist. <laughs> and you working for her yes, for like true. 20 years. It's true. But what did your father do? My father, it tells everything in his name. His name is Dionysio, Dionysus. So he was uh, involved with wine, champagne, and selling that to uh, restaurant to, we call enoteca. I don't know in English how you say it, where places enoteca, where the wine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah enoteca. Been, enoteca, where place, wine has been sold, so, sold out. So I actually grew up with champagne. can you you repeat his name i didn't catch it and how it related to wine dionysus the greek uh god of wine oh dionysus dionysus oh that's fantastic my father's name is is dionysio in italian but that's the name in dionysio so are you saying english sorry fantastic how do you say in english English, we would pronounce Dionysus. Oh, Dionysus. Oh, my God. It's another name. But it's that name. <laughs> <laughs> Dionysio. Yes. Wow. And was he, so we would also say, he was he a libertine? Was he very free? Or was he an organized man? I mean, no. I think my father is more the organizer and my mother is more the anarchist. So I came and I didn't have uh, a specific uh, also, I, I, we grew up, three of us, we are three, I have uh, two other siblings. We grew up quite free. We didn't have a, a strong, uh, I say, a strict um, formal education. We were, we grew up quite freely, I have to say. Okay. So okay. they were kind of uh, wise in, uh, in making us. My father, he tried to be like a, a patriarch, and he has that yeah. attitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so do I. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my mother was more the mother, so more free and uh, very all-encompassing mother. The mother and the father, very archetype, you know? Can I say that in English? Yes, yeah. 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 definitely. We're striving for that same archetype. In our <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, so yeah. how, did they, how did they meet? Um, oh, that that goes far away. Uh, it goes in the mountains. Oh. In the, in the, in because um, because we had my I say my grandmother had a hotel, uh, she, and that was kind of very advanced woman because I'm talking about 1950s. No, sorry, 1960s. Wow. In the 60s, mm-hmm. she was an entrepreneur in Italy. Oh, wow. And so she had rented uh, an hotel in the, in the Dolomites. And so my mother was there. The my Dolomites? Fa- yes, mm. in the north of Italy. Mm. And so mm-hmm. they met in the, in the Dolomites. My father was coming there with his family and they met there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so mountains mm. and so- climbing, it's very in our family as well. Yeah. It's so interesting. When I think of Italy in, in the 60s, I think of like uh, Fellini and La Dolce Vita and this like total, insa- total insanity 
and, <laughs> and I'm one thinking of your parents like that. Yeah, my father was for sure. He was uh, very much that kind of uh, movies like Fellini. He was like he had Lambretta. He was going around with Lambretta, which oh, is an old. Do mod. you know that? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. He is very mod, very like in the scooter and going around. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Fantastic. Yeah. So, what's his name? Uh, Marcello Mastriani. What's totally yes. Totally got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. that one. Yeah, Marcello yeah, yeah, Mastriani. He's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, the yeah, fantastic! Wow, yeah. Anna Lambretta, fantastic! Yes, yes, wow. very iconic. I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Do you know yes. this? Uh, in the films of the Dolce Vita, Le, Le Dolce Vita, they have this. Um, the painter Morandi, the the still life painter, not the morte yeah. painter. Yes. Just to say, he's my favorite painter. I'm sorry. Oh, that okay. But I, uh, yes, yeah, because yeah. he's my painter. Okay. I have little. I make. I sometimes I make little copies of his paintings. I have a couple, oh. like in my room right now with us. We have a little Morandi still life staring. That's interesting. Super. Yeah. That's uh, oh beautiful. I'm very happy that you have that. <laughs> Did your parents move to Rome then, and you grew up there? My my father uh, is born in Rome, so he okay. was there only for vacation where he met my mom right. and my mom was uh, living in north of Italy so she moved to Rome and they decided okay. to make they got married of course like in the 60s how you do mm -hmm. how you were doing things and then they <laughs> made a family so we three of us we are all born in Rome oh okay. beautiful and when you were growing up what did you what did you dream of becoming did you want to become a herbalist like your mother no, because I, I mean, that's also me. I don't, I don't, I don't have a dream. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, I'm very, I never, I never saw myself a grown up person, first of all. I never saw myself. <laughs> and I, that's, uh, I'm still like that. <laughs> a, and I, I never seen myself building up. If, I never thought that way. Never ever in my mm -hmm. life. So I never had a, pic a fixed picture of me being a grown-up person. Mm. Wow. Uh, that's funny. Actually, I, I cannot say that. Uh, and um, wow. But what was your question? I just got... So you just went with the flow and your mother's an herbalist and you decided, ah, I'll just yes. help my mother out. Like that. It came, yes, it came. Actually, the passion, my mother had the passion, but she became... Uh, a formal herbalist with a shop uh, late in her life, later. Mm -hmm. So I finished my high school and uh, I did classical studies. And then uh, because this is actually has helped me a lot with the Sanskrit afterwards, later ah. in my time. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I, after this, I decided to do I tried to go to the university and I take science, uh, natural sciences, but was not my, my, my cup of tea. I made a big mistake. So after the first year <laughs> that I had a lot of fun in that university, meeting a lot of nice people, <laughs> but I didn't study anything. I was just going around oh. pretending to be a student, but I was not studying anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. and, then, and then my mother opened up the shop and so basically I went into the shop and then I became an herbalist in my intern and then I started to study 
after. And then 10 years after, I took an, a, 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 a degree in, um, a, I call it, a cos- cosmetics. Oh, in yeah. cosmetics. In cosmetics. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but you see. Not, it, in, n- nothing not else. in herbalism. You yes, didn't take a degree in herbalism. I take a little degree. I mean, it's a diploma. It was in my time in the nine in nine hundredth century, <laughs> the <laughs> the herbalist that the I say diploma, the certificate to be yeah. a herbalist was a course of less than a year, because okay. at that time basically the herbalist was the person who was able to recognize uh, the therapeutical plants in the yeah. woods, let's say, uh, in mm-hmm. the wild, and then collect them, uh, make them dry, and then sell them to people in a way of herbal tea. That was the original uh, job of an herbalist. That was what we were supposed okay. to do. So we were able to recognize yeah. uh, plants on their uh, natural environment and then collect them, dry and use it. Does, of course, does that work? I mean, in the beginning, it worked, uh, though we were not collecting one by one, of course, the herbs, but there were people Mm. doing this for us. And we started, my mom started like having 100 types of herbs in our shop. Wow. So we were making real herbal teas. People were coming for some kind of problems and then we were mixing. We had some secret formula. (laughs) Uh, magic concoctions (laughs) yes magic concoctions and then we were helping people to stay to be better so we were kind of but the 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 medical the medical industry must like you must have like liability like what if someone dies (laughs) yes uh, it never happened first of all and we were able (laughs) to uh, to sell only a certain amount of herbs and plants so there are some right. plants they are venomous i say uh, with the uh, uh, yes little little plants and we could not sell mm. that at all that was only oh, okay. the chemistry or we could use only an amount of plants which were mm. so kind of uh, i say um, safe there was a safe range of uh, use so okay. though you could use a, a big amount, there was no a, a counter effect, a side effect. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. was uh, oh, no, that okay. was by you say that was um, defined by law. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then slowly the herbal shop became more and more like a health uh, huh? shop. I you say a like health? health, so more healthcare health shop, health, health shop. goods, health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, a, we, like Whole Foods. Yes, so we started to yeah, sell okay. more like cosmetics and pre- and and things because people didn't have <sighs> time to do herbal uh, tea. So we we were selling right. peels on drops made out only of plants, but that was what people were preferring to have. Right, uh, like the vitamins and the also that natural. also that yeah yeah. And, uh, and then you became a cosmetics uh, specialist. Yes, for just a brief uh, moment, because then the yoga came in my life and it changed totally okay. direction after a while. 
can I can I get an idea? So this is um, like what nineteen ninety. Not earlier. Uh, yes. Um, so I've uh, been uh, in the shop. I mean, we opened the shop in 82, 1982. Oh, wow. And I had my first class in yoga in September. So now it's 28 years ago, September 93. Right. Wow. And, and at this time, like, um, uh, are you like listening to to Duran Duran, like, how are you dressed? What does your hair look like? Is it, is, have you colored your hair? Are you punk? Are you like your dad, like on the Lombretta? What, how do you look now? Uh, I think I've been always time. the same messy hair person. I had always <laughs> messy hair that I have been always had yeah. somebody pointing to my hair and that they are too untamed. Frise. Yes, hair. I had always somebody telling me that. So that didn't change. But basically, yes, I grew up as a kind of, I was very much outdoor person and uh, also free dancing, free dancing person. That was my um, hobbies. Um, So I had always, anyway, always an interest for human beings. Mm-hmm. That has been always something that uh, uh, I've been curious about. Uh, so people, just about people yeah. and movement. I've been always uh, fascinated by movement, uh, not so much a sport person. I've been trying all these tennis, ski, whatever, but I was a disaster. Oh. <laughs> what, uh, what kind of... Sailing for, boats. Uh, Nothing. Yeah. It's completely not me. Oh, were there were there were there boys that you the kind of boy that you liked was also into dancing and kind of being free and being a little hippie. Yes, uh, hippie. Yes, we were kind of hippie, but not too much hippie. I mean, but yes, that was more the the tendency. Not very aligned in uh, yes not thinking about uh, i never thought like i said before to form a family or having kids that was never my dream uh, mm-hmm. and i was uh, yes to be free and happy mm. <laughs> i never had a specific view of myself being something i was uh, what i always liked was to be with people among people who would have who would have uh, an interesting life <laughs> and mm. uh, enjoying life. So in that sense, I've been always a little bit, um, yeah, this, I think it comes from my, more my father's side, this way of enjoying life. Okay. Yeah. And, and so you, my, you were invited yeah. to a, a yoga class and not because you were in pain or you were troubled, but you were a happy free child and someone said, try yoga and, and you, you went for it. Yes. And of course, yes, this is one. And then the other, there was always some uh, love uh, uh, affair that was going on some not wanted direction. So there was a little bit of pain in there, but basically <laughs> I was this free person and, and uh, yes, looking for something. Uh, I had also some other, I have to say, spiritual um, practices, but um, I had, I was following uh, some, she was a woman from Mexico having a kind of uh, visualization approach. So we were doing some, some kind of meditation. This mm-hmm. was in my twenties. 
the yoga came in yeah, my 30s. Okay. Uh, but I could not find a way to, um, to make a daily practice of something. That was my, mm -hmm. I could never find something that I could do by myself. Right. And so how did you end Get up at your first yoga class? And was it Ashtanga? No, was first of all was my mother's uh, yoga teacher. So she, my mother, was in in the yoga, and I went for a few months in her uh, in with her teacher doing some kind how of yoga. How long had your mother? How long had your mother been practicing? And was it was she just just for her? She was just starting to. Yes, she has been okay. basically practicing yoga, Atta yoga, and Kundalini yoga for most of her life till four or five years ago, six years ago. So oh, wow. from the last, uh, but on and off, on and off, and once, twice uh, a, a, a week. So very right. on and off. So basically, she made this seed of yoga in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been also doing Tai Chi Chuan. So there was some kind of research. I've also been, also because I was studying Chinese medicine. So I had some kind of idea that there was some energetic work or something very, I would say, untouchable. Um, so I had an interest mm -hmm. anyway for something not super visible and touchable. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and then this friend of mine, um, who is, we are still friends and we still uh, talk a lot about yoga. She's doing now other styles of yoga, other kinds. And then she said to me, look, I've found this yoga. It's fantastic. You sweat. Uh, and I could not really believe her because the yoga <laughs> I was doing was not yeah, that kind. Yeah, that's not yoga. No, no, that's not. I was not at all convinced by her words, but she took two years of brainwashing machine. <laughs> so one day I said, okay, stop it. I try. Stop this thing. <laughs> I, I got curious, I have to say also. I got a little bit curious. And uh, and she was uh, she was already, uh, in 1992, she, with her, at that time, partner, they were in India, in uh, Guruji Shala already. Oh, wow. Yes, oh. and... Yes. So she said to me, look, I've been there. So it is like this. And then there is in Italy a couple that is teaching. Actually, she was talking more about Tina than, you know, Tina Pizzimenti more than Tina Pizzimenti. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and she said, there is this woman that is teaching yoga and is this yoga trial? I said, okay, okay. Finally, after almost two years, I said, okay, I'll try. And then after the first class, which is actually was uh, was Lino teaching, not Tina, because Tina at that time she had the, the, they had their own child. It was very small, so she was having a break. So it was Lino teaching, mm -hmm. and from that first class, I never stopped. <laughs> what did what did you what do you remember about that class? That I was improper uh, uh, dressed. <laughs> What? Wow, what does that look like? What were you wearing? <laughs> I was a completely beginner, complete, and I had, I still remember, how, I don't know now the English word, but I had a kind of uh, suit, a okay. cotton one with, I, I don't know how you say in English, with this uh, kind of cotton inside, so a little thick one. It's like a, a tracksuit. 
Yes, something like this, and a body yeah. in the eight, yes, and and I had something very tight on the body, which in the upper part of the body, which was very okay, but the under, I I was sweating so much that at the end I could not bend my knees because the cotton was so soft of water that I could not really bend properly my knee. I was having actually problem with the clothes; they were in between me and and what I had to do. So that I still yeah. remember. Was so funny. <laughs> was was what was Lino yelling at you about the clothes? Was he no. very quiet? What was he no. like? No, was uh, if I remember well, it was a lead class, so I did all the first uh, standing position, sun salutation mm-hmm. standing position, and then I just uh, I think he just stopped me there, and then well, people. Oh, were he confused. stopped you in the class. Yes. He said, "You stop." Yeah, because that was not yeah, that, that was the that was the yes that was the way because then most of the people then were doing my style, so it was right. conducting. Oh, yeah, yeah. If I remember well, but I think it was like this, and then I was amazed by this thing. I was just uh, yeah. taken by immediately, uh, and it, wow. especially from the breathing, that was something that I got fascinated immediately. Mm. I got fascinated Actually, by this combination of breath and movement. I have to say, yeah, from it's, the first. It's nice point. to do that. I've I've seen it. I had seen Batabi uh, Joyce do it. I and I've done it myself since. Where you have a a classroom that's Mysore style, and then a few people come in, and you do a mini lead class for them. Yeah. And so that's kind of what happened. Okay. Yes, wow. exactly. That's helpful. And then I remember that I said, oh, I think my legs are going to, after the class, I said, oh, I think my legs are going to burn tomorrow. He said, no, 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 no. It will be your arms. Arms? You say arms? Oh, yeah, yeah. Without, yeah, and you then, say arms, yeah. Arms. And then uh, I, I still remember that by the, the day after, I could not wash my armpits. I was completely, my legs, my arms were completely destroyed. There is no a gram of strength left. There is nothing. Right. You couldn't lift your hand yeah. to no. wash your armpit. I remember <laughs> oh. was uh, sore. Was huh. co- everything oh was wow. sore. Oh, I was wow. so, so weak. So many push-ups. Imagine, yes, yeah. I was so weak. I, um, uh, this I like to say, and I say also now, that when I started, I was like mozzarella. Yes. And yeah. then after some years, I became like Parmigiano, you know, it's a little bit <laughs> I like to say. You were wow. like baby, you were like the young mozzarella, the baby yes. mozzarella. Yes. Buffalo, buffalo yes. mozzarella. Super yeah. soft, uh, very flexible, but <laughs> zero strength, especially in the upper part of the body. Zero Zero strength. Well, now you're super strong. I've oh. seen you. You're you are Parmigiano for sure. <laughs> Thank you. I was gonna ask you because I think everyone in our generation kind of you know you hear stories about how different teachers do things, and everyone would say, "Oh yeah, yeah." With Lino, you're gonna go a lot. You're gonna get a lot of postures, and say with Sharat, you're not gonna get many postures. Yeah. Um, and so. Was I? I had heard that you were even like doing fourth series with Lino. Did it yeah. feel? How did that feel for you to go so quickly? Did it feel safe, or did you feel like um, mm-hmm. you didn't have to do the posture completely? You could just try it a bit. Okay, that's what you say is true. I have been 
I was moved quite fast. I did primary and intermediate in the first year. Wow. That's a lot. Uh, like yeah. Karan Devasana is like not no, there. Karan, no, 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 yeah. no. There, there was not there and still is still a, a, a very challenging pose for me after so many what years. About, what about no, Kapotasana? No, Kapotasana was flexible. never, exactly, never a problem. Like also okay. legs behind the neck because this is also I'm saying that with my brother when we were kids, because me and my brother are very close yes. and then my sister is a little bit after, the, uh, we were doing this play who could take two legs behind the neck because both of us ah. could take one leg behind the neck. Can you imagine? But yeah. two legs, that was the, who was doing that. So I, we were flexible. That flexibility yeah, was not yeah. a problem. So I didn't have strength. So Pincha, Karanda, Mayurasana were like unknown territory for me. Right. I was yeah. like a spaghetti. I was like a noodle, like Shiva Jesus. <laughs> and so uh, yes. when I was... When yeah, I was but, coming up with Guy, the idea was he had to be able to put you into the posture so he could put me in Kapotasana, but I couldn't do it myself. And then I could go ahead. He he would yes. put me into Dwipada and then I could go ahead. And yeah. so now you have to, of course, you have to do it yourself. But yeah. with Lino, he would put you into the posture. He would put you into Karandavasana, put you back up. And then he would just let you go ahead and do and learn more postures next week. Yes, also because I have to say that as I was flexible, that was the only three posture that I could not really do properly. All the rest right. was coming. So there was, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Pincha, Karanda and Mayura Asana as well. There were the only three postures that were completely, they were not there. Though okay. I have to say, <laughs> that's funny, but this is, uh, I was not able to do Pincha, Mayura Asana, but if for some reason I would stay up, I could do chattuari. So I could get out from the posture. <laughs> but okay. I could not do the posture. Yeah. That is very funny. That's so hard. How, yeah. You're doing fourth series now with Lino. No, You're no, like no, no, two no, years no. in and going to Mysore already in 95? Yeah, I've been, I pushed some uh, gas there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is the Ferrari country, you know? So <laughs> there was some push. In the Ferrari country. The Ferrari, Ferrari country. country, yeah. Uh, so no, yeah, no, I'm joking. But uh, I was so, so first of all, I want to say something about this uh, serious stuff, the, 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 the sequences, the practice, and then we come back to mm -hmm. the, the mm. India thing. Uh, so okay. I decided to um, not do, I decided when Shadaji became my teacher really, my teacher, my reference point, my, yeah. Uh, so in 2007, mm -hmm. I stopped uh, what I was doing uh, and then I decided to follow what Shadaji was saying to me. So I went back oh. to intermediate. So I stopped practice third and fourth. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing that you bring up because I remember that, Susanna, because before that, you, I mean, you had been traveling to practice with uh, Guruji, Patabi Joyce, and Sharat yeah. in Mysore for yeah. many years and also practicing third series and fourth series uh, with Lino. Really? But then they, uh, Sharatji wasn't letting you go past no. intermediate. No. no. no that so he is was holding story. you there for many, many years, right? Wait, no. There was, uh, I think the year we, I think that is very uh, interesting of the, uh, and it tells about the Sharaji intuition, which is uh, something that is kind of magical. 
mm-hmm. because I've been, especially in, I was old in the in 2004. But there are many story about how many times I started again and again the intermediate series in Mysore. I started three times. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> uh, so that year. Uh, Shereji was inviting me after an, a funny anecdote that maybe I can tell. But so I was there for two months uh, in Pincha. Mm-hmm. So I came to Pincha and I was struggling and pushing. And then that day um, I was, was a hard year, was a difficult year for me with that year with Shereji. I It seemed like I was not doing anything uh in the right way. I didn't know how to act, I, I would say. And then uh, in that year, that day, one day, I said to myself, inside, really, I said, you know what? I don't care. I don't have to finish this intermediate series, this trip. I will come back again and again and again, and maybe I will finish this intermediate one day or the other. I keep, I just keep coming, and this something will happen. Mm-hmm. The day after, or a few days after, I don't remember, I was in the lead intermediate and he let me finish the intermediate. And I, I can swear that my pincha and my karandavasana uh, were as bad as a week before. <laughs> so it's not that in a week everything got fixed, but he let me pass. I think he could realize my uh, intention. Otherwise, I cannot explain this in any other way. Yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes that would happen. We, I mean, people would always say that, you know, you'd get held in a posture forever and you'd yeah. be like struggling and trying and, you know, trying to make yeah. it better and doing it like 10 times. And then as soon as you sort of were like, you know what, it's fine. I don't, I'm, I'm yeah. totally cool That's here. It. You really yeah. have like that real contentment. Like yeah. not fake contentment, but real not contentment. Exactly. Like. Ex- that's the that's the trick. <laughs> not fake one, yeah. real one. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah. something happens, like you finish intermediate or you get the next yeah. posture or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and yeah. it's super funny All because at once. Yes, and uh, sure, I I ca- I cannot I'm still struggling with this Karanda. He knows that. Sometimes mm. he turns he says some other place not to see me. But he knows that it's not my favorite posture <laughs> still. So I, it's not that, I think he saw my change, uh, my internal change. Yeah. yeah. And because then what, what was it that like changed your feelings? Cause that was a, like 2004, I think, right? That, yes. Except I think we were there at the same time. Yes, we were. And then, and then I remember in 2000, but you were still outside of Mysore, you know, practicing your the practice that yes. you had been doing yes. with Lino, right? Yes, exactly. Till three, three more years. Yeah. And so and what changed for you in 2007 that you decided to stop doing all the other postures that you hadn't, hadn't get, been given by Sharat and just only do the postures he gave you? Because uh, basically there was this, um, I mean, then Lino didn't, was not my teacher anymore. There was this uh, separation in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, was a little bit uh, a strong one, let's say yeah. this way. And so then uh, it, then he took also his, his direction and I took my direction as well. And I decided that Shilaji mm-hmm. uh, uh, and Maestro was my way, my mm-hmm. My, my road 
to follow. And so I, then I decide, I surrender completely to what Shiruji thought was uh, right for me. Also because I would say that uh, though Guruji, I've been practicing with Guruji and Guruji was also in Copenhagen in 2006, so actually one year before, uh, I would say that uh, my teacher was Shiruji. And somehow Guruji mm-hmm. let me be, let me stay with Shiruji. I don't know how he, anyway, that was, I felt that. Um, you had been to Mysore in 95? Yes, in 96. And in 96? Then, and when was, and then when was, when was the next time? Uh, that's, that's the point. That was 2003. But even so, you didn't feel you felt more like Sharat was your teacher than than Batabi Joyce. Uh, yes, yes, it came like that. It just you know I had this break, mm-hmm. uh, not of practicing, but of going to Mysore. I never stopped practicing, mm-hmm. but I stopped for many reasons. Now it's not I mean, different reason because you think you go up then. It passed so many years, but actually, I have to say, in 2001, we uh, met them in Helsinki. Mm-hmm. And uh, Guruji and Sharaji, they remember me in somehow. So, and yeah. then I was there. With, and then I said, okay, no, Jens, we have to go back. At the time I was there, I said, we have to go back to Mysore. We have to go back to Mysore. And then we went back in 2003. So I would say that that, that gap, in, in that moment, when we came back, also, because the funny thing is, when we came back in 2003, Sharaji was not there because he was traveling. Oh. Were we so, there at the same time then? Yeah, you were. Yes. Yeah, 1993. That was my first. I, that was my first trip, and Sharat was gone, and I showed up, and uh, Saraswati broke her ankle, and yeah. uh, that was my first trip. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, 2003. Yes, and Shad- and Guruji was th- there was not still the carpet in Gokulam. Do you remember? That's right. There's no carpeting on the marble. It was very hard. Yeah. Yes. And uh, it was just it was uh, Guruji and Saraswati, Saraswati Amad- only. Amanji were in the room. Yes. And uh, we we're yeah just trying. I was just trying to figure out what to do. I yeah. Had no idea. Yes. Wow. So that was the time where I came back, and so and then. I was with Guruji, but then he let me go. Actually, that's another fun story. <laughs> but he, he let what me did he let you do? What did he let yeah, you practice? Because, All of it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it was funny the day because he, in the previous years, he said to me, you can start. Uh, I, I did till Pincha when I was in, in Lakshmi. 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 I was till Pincha. And then I show mm-hmm. up uh, seven years after, and then I said, what do I do? Do I, I was doing this uh, intermediate. And they said, yeah, yeah, then you can do intermediate again. But then I didn't know what to do. And so I started to right. do primary and intermediate. And that day I did all the primary and all the intermediate, yeah. and it didn't stop me. Though my pincha, karanda, and my rasa were not that good enough, but it didn't stop me. And yeah. then actually he was looking at me and said, like, good, like, you're stupid. You've done too serious together, that kind of thing. <laughs> 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 and then I did the only, the old primary, the old intermediate. And then when Sharaji came in 2004, and then mm-hmm. I understood that there was something. And then I went to Sharaji and asked him if I could do the intermediate. And then he said, yes. 
And that okay. year, I started to get uh, also the authorization that I had to pass through Sharadji. That's right. Yeah. Right. If you wanted to uh, get that letter, you had to go to Sharat and, and negotiate yes. your position. Yes, or, or, at least, uh, or at least ask. I mean, uh, there was this thing that you could say, okay, I've been here. What do you think? I mean, and then so the letter was there in 2004. So I started to get yeah. acquainted with Sharadji more like on the personal level because in my so in Lakshmi Puram right. was more like uh, not and then in Helsinki actually I remember him a little bit he was super sweet but I mean so we started to have a relation in those years and I think those years actually yeah. I, I felt that Guruji was in somehow let, I mean I don't know if he did anyway but this is what I felt <laughs> I don't think he did on purpose <laughs> or whatever but the situation was that I felt more and more close to Sharadji than to Guruji. Yeah. yeah. So that yeah. was Sharadji moving me or not in, into the poses. It was not anymore Guruji. I don't know how to put it in another way. That was true for us too. I mean, Sharat was the one giving postures, stopping, taking postures away. Yeah. But we, we kind of also felt like we were there for Guruji's presence. And then, you know, we would have to negotiate our position with Sharat. That was, you I actually mean, also really took him as a teacher in a very yeah. emotional way. Yes. Yeah. I feel a lot of gratitude for Shalaji. Also for other stuff that happened in this uh, thing. I felt a lot of grat gratitude to, for him, for what he did for us also in Copenhagen. He came so many times and, uh, in Copenhagen. Yeah. And also he was, I mean... You were the so first... Uh, one of the first places, like big big yoga schools, to host Shirat on his own. I, I mean, thank you for saying it instead of me, but this is exactly what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had he had gone to some other places on tour, like not New York, on maybe not on his own though. I mean, he New was York, in. He yeah. went on his own. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand because two thousand three. We were there, and he was in New right. York by himself. He went to a Eddie. few places, but you did a yeah. really big tour for him. Yeah. And that was after Guruji thank passed away? Or... Yes, thank yeah, you for true, saying, right? because okay. it's very, I mean, I cannot <laughs> say this. It's not very yogi. It's, uh, uh, so, but anyway, yes, it was just a few months after Guruji passed away. We had the yeah. special teacher training in June 2009, a few, uh, mm -hmm. few, few days after Guruji has passed away. And then, yeah. um, and then Sharaji came into Copenhagen in 2009 and was, again, also very emotional there to host him. It was, yeah. So it was a, actually, it was a beautiful uh, experience to also to see what happened. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. To see all this, uh, what is what has happened with him, with the, our world, with the Sangha Yoga world, with the tours, with everything growing. I mean, it's been an amazing yeah. possibility to see this as well. I'm really curious with, um, you know, I, I, I think it's so interesting, this really strong decision that you made because you had had Lino as a teacher previously and had done all of these asanas and all of these postures with him. And then it was like an energetic cutting and yeah. you shifted completely 100. You'd still been Sharat's student and he was still your teacher, but it was like a, a very, um, it feels like a very conscious 
and very energetic shift that you made. And I'm curious how that affected your practice or if it did affect your practice in any way. I mean, I got definitely better in those asana that are wars and mozzarella. (laughs) 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 So you felt like more strength in the intermediate series. Yes, exactly. So it came more strength. And uh, I mean, I was also strong in different ways in the third because I would say in somehow first. At that time, I was maybe even stronger in the third than in the second, but because I was not working really on those asana. Right. Because this is what is happening sometimes that you just let this asana go. go. You don't really work on that. And so you, of course, you don't improve. Mm-hmm. You told a story that was really interesting um, in your interview with Deborah Crooks uh, from Mysore. There's a um, there's a video uh, that I know from that Lino made with Gwendolyn, and y- you talked about going to Copenhagen the first time, like you know, after you'd been to Mysore, maybe ninety three, ninety five, something like that, and you went to Copenhagen to teach, and Gwendolyn was there. Mm-hmm. Um, from New Zealand, the New Zealand teacher. And I, I just want to say that watching the video with her, that you could see Lino practice and he was so strong and say so yin. And then you could look at Gwendolyn practice and she was so young. And it was a very like very masculine, very feminine, very soft, very hard vision of the practice. And I remember seeing that video and thinking, yeah, there's a place in between there that I could fit. I could see how I could do this practice like right in the middle of these two people. Uh, okay. I I don't know what to say so much about this video because, um, yeah, I've seen it. But in somehow, I, I had a lot of respect also for Gwendolyn. So it was was not, she was a good teacher, but was not my teacher. So I, I could mm-hmm. see her as a strong woman and I was very impressed with her practice in somehow because okay. anyway, though she was very feminine in respect of Lino's practice as a masculine, but in itself, I mean, a woman of 70 years old was doing that thing I thought was super strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so in that sense, uh, I would say that she was super, I was very impressed, if I can say, from the way she used her flexibility to compensate her, um, the lack of strength. She had a very good uh, use, I could say, a very, she was using her body in a very clever way. Well, maybe you can talk about why you went to Copenhagen. And I think you mentioned that she was there, and I thought that had something to do with your decision to stay in Copenhagen. No. The decision was because of Jens. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, so in the meaning that, uh, I mean, no. What you are, I think what you are referring is the point is that at that time, because uh, Gwendolyn was not uh, European and she had problems with the visa, that was the point. Ah. Then mm-hmm. uh, she could not cover all the year in the, in the school. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, there was this uh, opportunity because there was these people in Copenhagen having a, um, that were following that where Ashtanga came in the beginning, at the end of the 90s. 
beginning mm-hmm. of 2000. And so these people got together and because Lino was giving their workshops, they were gathering around uh, him because basically uh, you have to remember in 93 there were no internet, there were not nothing. So there were not yeah. that many people. So also um, there was, I mean, in Italy there was only him. So that was, if you wanted yeah. to do that, there was no other way. I mean, there was only that way <laughs> to do things yeah. in somehow, no? Uh, and um, so that's why then there was an opportunity for me to go there and teach for some time, just to have an experience to teach abroad. And that was the connection with the with Lino in somehow that there was yeah. these people okay. having a, a vacuum because Gwendolyn could not stay there. And then I went there. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. because then there I met Jens in Copenhagen and then things came after a year I moved to Copenhagen also because Gwendolyn had more and more problems to get more visas there in Denmark because she was from New Zealand so she had to have a special visa and, people, and authorities in Denmark were starting to question but why there is not somebody that can teach there blah 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 so it was becoming more complicated to have Gwendolyn there on a regular basis so it came all right. um, kind of natural this movement so I think there was written that I had to be there in Copenhagen right. <laughs> You said something really really funny in your interview yeah, like that at this point, at this I time in your funny. life, you're an, <laughs> you're you're an herbalist. You're assisting in workshops. You're assist. You're you're covering for Gwendolyn, but you said, "Yeah, nothing is coming. No men. No uh, love. Yes, nothing." Yes, yes, because I was very uh, okay. This I started to practice this in 1993, correct? And then uh, I think it was seven years after in 2000, then you have also to understand that was the big millennium coming. So there were all kinds of prophecies that everything right. happened <laughs> in, in 2000. Huh? And then there was this, do your practice and all is coming. Mm-hmm. And then coming. I was, and nothing is coming because I was practicing. I might already were seven years, but then... Uh, I was still, I mean, it seemed like, it seemed like, because actually I was preparing something, it seemed like there was no change. Nothing was coming right. in that way. And then you see, as soon, be careful what you dream or what you say, because then it happens. <laughs> and actually it happened right after. So I totally changed my life. I found uh, Jens, I found I moved out of Italy, I changed completely my life. The only thing was the same was my own yoga practice. Everything else right. has changed. So I have to be careful what to ask for because it's coming. <laughs> 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 so, but it's true. And I remember this, this thing saying, but what is, what is coming? I didn't understand what that what meant. That <laughs> all this coming, what, what means? And nothing's right. coming. Yeah. That nothing's after. changing. Nothing's coming. <laughs> exactly. And then everything changed and everything came. Yeah. That's so amazing. It's true. So that's, that uh, statement for me is true. And so it was like kind of around this time you were practicing mainly with Lino as your teacher in Italy. And he had been helping like Petre um, Yuha. and Yuha Sim. set up a school yes. in Finland. And then he was also setting up this school in Copenhagen. And he, is it correct to say that he had asked Gwendolyn to go and 
help set up that school? The people, the association, I mean, he had the idea to do something because he was giving workshop, but then he left mm-hmm. everything else to the people in Denmark to organize themselves. Right. Okay. To make it. So he didn't find found the thing. So the people from Denmark, uh, which Jens was one of those, yeah. uh, decided to make an association. And so because they all were beginners, in, in the yeah. sense that they didn't have an established, super established miser, though there were people practicing also. Yeah. Uh, then in somehow, you know, helped to suggest Wendelin. And Wendelin came and did a very okay. uh, good work of, at the beginning, to instruct uh, and to make classes so to the first five people that were doing the association. Uh, right. That's how okay. it came, Copenhagen. And then, uh, okay, Lino was just coming, giving workshop, but he never found the school in itself. But he was, in somehow, the person who was collecting people around, in somehow. And right. It took shape in that way. And then he was just coming, giving workshop. And when then, for why he was there, to give um, support to this uh, place. But then, uh, 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 then, as I said before, was becoming problematic also, the, the visa. And then she went to Ireland and she moved to Ireland. While, uh, oh. yes, she went to Dublin uh, when I was in Copenhagen, while I was there to establish and to start up the the place in, in Dublin. And, mm-hmm. and then, okay, she of course, uh, say. She didn't pass away there, did she? Did she pass away in New Zealand in the, in the ocean? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm, yes. It's yes. very sad. Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I think she was, um, yeah, 75 or something when she passed away. Oh. I, I, she wow. didn't arrive to the ages. She stopped before. Mm-hmm. Her life stopped okay. before. Yes. So, yeah, she was uh, an amazing lady. So that's pretty amazing, though, that... I mean, after Gwendolyn was sort of like, I guess, this little like spark that lit lit the fire of, of the yoga school coming together. But you and Jens really like formed the first Ashtanga yoga school in yeah. Copenhagen For- as well. You really like made it a, a place with a consistent practice times and people coming yes. and memberships and all of the things. I think you can say Copenhagen. <laughs> I'm just really very affected. Copenhagen? You can say Copenhagen. I'm saying can Copenhagen I... just because I, I think it's like a cool Copenhagen. Name. Yes. <laughs> Copenhagen. Yes. I would say the same. Uh, yes. I mean, the Thank work <laughs> Copenhagen, I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> um, yes. I mean, the work, she was just at the beginning, then the work has been done, yeah. I have to say, by Jens and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Work, 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 work to establish, and then other people that they were there, and then, of course, there were also Robin, and then other students. But we were there all day long, and we made, our, like I said, I was teaching, basically, and also, yeah, they all day. So there was this beginning and then slowly started to take a shape to be a place mm-hmm. where people wanted to come. So there were many people at the beginning, in the first two, three years, it was, it was crazy 
to hold the yeah. amount of people coming. So because it was the first school organized, first Ashtanga yoga school organized in a certain way. So where people could have a membership and uh, like you said, and then practice a kind of on a regular basis almost every day. So not every day from the beginning. So not just one yeah. day here, one day there. No, it was like what, I mean, what you call a miser program was established basically from day one. Yeah. So yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that that was kind of advanced uh, thinking at that time in those uh, cities. Yeah, because there really wasn't that kind of idea no. where there was a space that was no. open, you know, six days yeah. a week that yeah. people could come to every day and practice yoga. No. No, it was not at yeah. all established. Uh, there was this idea of having maybe one or two days per week of uh, yoga classes here and there following but in some place, but not a specific place for only the Ashtanga. So there were Ashtanga maybe in there because there were people in Copenhagen also teaching outside, of course, of this uh, environment that I'm talking about. There were other people, other teachers, of course, mm-hmm. not only... Uh, us that they were teaching there were other people teaching maybe even before then all this uh, came up but it was not an organized uh, in an organized way so the first organized place of ashtanga was uh, ashtanga ever copenhagen yeah. and from there then it started that way was it be- emotional for you to let go of your school because that happened fairly recently didn't it Yes, it happened three years ago, and so mm-hmm. in uh, 2018. So our this this became a, an adult. <laughs> so from 2000 mm-hmm. till 2018, there was this shala. Uh, oh, yes, shala so, became an adult. Yeah. Yes, 18, 18 <laughs> yeah, years <wow>. old. Graduated. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, of course it was. It took a long time. To mm-hmm. it took it took a long time. We were suffering uh, as a couple and as a place uh, uh, for some years before taking this mm-hmm. decision. And mm-hmm. that's why also it came. Now I don't have any regrets because everything has been digested and metabolized and tried. I tried everything to make it work, and I can say the same as for yes. So yeah. just. You have this quote that um, you mentioned that you said, I'm not a workshop teacher. I'm more of a building a relationship teacher. And I'd like to ask you what the difference is. And then it seems now you are a workshop teacher and that's what you're doing. Yes. Uh, Probably you see a contradiction. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't. Though the words I don't see a contradiction like, either because uh, I feel the same way, Susanna. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Amelie. But I can put some words maybe uh, on this, yes. uh, or at least what yes. I think. I don't know if you, Harmony, have the same uh, feeling. But I, what I mean is that teaching is about relationship, mm-hmm. is about building trust. Uh, and this is what I'm doing mm-hmm. uh, in a workshop format or in a daily format. This is what I'm doing. 
I'm, I'm not a teacher that comes in and makes uh, something that is not, um, that is something different from the practice. So for me, the practice is about doing some stuff, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, building a relationship of trust and going with that and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And this is what I continue to do. So I'm not uh, also don't so far don't break the practice into the practice. So when I'm teaching workshop, it's a miser class, it's a miser room where people practice, and then I help them how can how in the way I think uh, it's right. Of course, every teacher I think does that. <laughs> that helps people in what they think. Uh, it's good for them, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I like I don't. Um, so this is is this the main focus? Uh, what I've as um, witnessed as a, a workshop as a day, uh, I would say as a shala teacher when I was in Copenhagen, is that sometimes the students were coming back from workshops where uh, when they have been having other teachers giving things that they had to incorporate in the practice, nothing have to do with the practice, or they have to do, or they did some other things outside the practice that were trying to make uh, in the practice. So they were a little bit confused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes sense what I'm saying. Does it make sense? Yeah. Or is yeah. blabbering? Yeah. You like to teach, if you're teaching workshops or you're teaching at different uh, schools, you like to keep it in the, Mysore uh, method where you yes. can work with students one-on-one and, and build that yeah. relationship and that trust. And it can be very specific to the practice, not doing like tips and tricks and drills and all yeah. the extra though, stuff outside of the practice. Yes. Though it can happen, you, as you know, it can happen that you have a person in the practice that cannot make a posture so how can I help this person to make this posture so you put yourself there and you try to make it work in somehow yeah. if it is possible yeah. but in that kind of range in that kind of environment with that kind of uh, attitude yes. to help the person in making possible to do the asana uh, in that way so yeah. yes so it's, except- it's unique to the individual yes Yes, is what I think, of course, is based on what I think it's right for that person to do in order to do that posture. This, I feel that people are coming for when they come to a workshop also. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You once mentioned um, very, a very beautiful thing. You said that Ashtanga Yoga has a kind of justice. And I really <laughs> I really like that. Can you Can you say what you mean? It seems like... Sooner or later, you find and encounter obstacles, yes. Yes. and that's where you—that's where the justice is. And whether you—if you meet it in third series, it's you're yes. just unlucky. Whether you could meet it the first day in the Surya Namaskar. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the meaning. That uh, I say. I think that the yoga starts to work in a, a profound way, where the limit. Uh, or the problem or the disability in that moment, it, it comes, it pops up. So mm-hmm. it's there when the work on ourselves uh, is mm-hmm. starting. So where things mm-hmm. are not going as we want. 
And mm -hmm. uh, okay. this doesn't take away all the effort and all the commitment. That has to be clear. So I'm not saying that uh, there is no commitment. I can see that there are people that they have easier, smoother bodies. And so, of course, uh, they find the struggle later. Mm -hmm. Right. The, which means, but they find <laughs> as well. <In> that sense, <laughs> yeah. There is justice. So that everybody finds uh, her own battle uh, or her own struggle uh the own struggle to be with and that's the beauty of the practice so what do i do with this how i act what which dynamic is bringing up how can i work with this so that's very interesting to me yeah it is so interesting and i would love for you to just like talk a little bit about that because i i've you know I know Jens and he's also very close to my heart and a dear friend of mine, as I know you two are also very close still. And I mean, he practiced maybe not as long as you, but almost as long. And you both had the same dedication and the same devotion to the practice, but his body is so much stiffer than your body. <laughs> and so you were doing all of fourth series and Jens was working into the beginning of second series, but you had the same... Um, dedication and devotion yeah. and everything to the practice. Yeah. And so can you just, you know, tell, like, speak a little bit to, as a teacher, what sort of what you see, you know, in the students and like, how does this, how does this come out? And, and is it, you know, was it frustrating for Jens? I mean, not that you can necessarily speak, speak for him, but, you yeah. know, how did, how did you two kind of balance those things? Yeah, I think you should ask him that question. <laughs> <laughs> I will, don't worry. <laughs> uh, I think it's a personal, again, journey because um, mm -hmm. if you start to compare yourself to somebody else, which has another story, that's the beginning of suffering, for sure. Mm. So... Mm -hmm. Everybody has own story in the body. And I know it's not easy, especially when you're close, because, you know, um, only when you're close to each other, the, all, these, uh, <laughs> all these things are popping up, all these six enemies, right. let's say. If you are <laughs> yeah. too distant, this cannot show up because you don't even follow you don't no you sorry you don't even feel uh that has nothing to do but when things are close to you so that's why it's a friend is a brother is a sister is a spouse or some somebody that is very close to us then uh or a friend you know so something that is close yeah this um comparison it comes up Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. this I think is something that everybody has to work with it's not the job of the other sometimes I even try mm -hmm. to stay to belittle myself in order not to make so much shine so there was not but it's never enough this is also not um, this is also not good for anyone <laughs> yeah. so you cannot yeah. make yourself smaller in order to uh be afraid to obscure somebody else uh, 
though I did, and I'm always trying to, I mean, you have to be careful in this one. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a very sensitive field. Um, and as I say, I think everybody's own story and the body is not comparable. Not everybody can do everything uh, because it's mm -hmm. not written anywhere. First of all, <laughs> this rule yeah. is not written. <laughs> Uh, there is not written anywhere that you have to do first, second, third, fourth. It's not written, so it's right. not. It's not. Um, I say mandatory. Yeah. Uh, what is mandatory to me is the work that we do internally. Then, if mm -hmm. it's with uh, sun salutation, if it's with uh, marichasana di, if it's with kapotasana, if it's with uh, pincha, or. With the kukuta, udva kukutasana, ABC, or galavasana, or whatever it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> is the work that uh, has to be done. And everybody has to do some work here. That's why we're doing okay. yoga. So it's, it's really, it's really true. It's, it's, um, it's especially as a, as a teacher, it's so easy to be seduced by a, te by a student that has ability. And they come in and they go back and they grab their knees and it's like, oh, fantastic. Look at this. And you get excited. But it's there's so much gratification in a student that comes for six months and then every day and then can finally, you know, touch their bind. their toes or bind <laughs> yeah. in Marichyasana C. It's like, wow, we got there. It's fantastic. Yes. And I think it's it's important to remember like that what we're doing as teachers is not so much you know, applauding ability, but we're, uh, we're contriving an artificial situation where there are obstacles for the students that are emotional, that then they have to, with work and discipline over a long period of time, they have to overcome. And that's why we're there. Yes, I think, yes, it's sign, like seeing possibilities. Mm -hmm. so you see i see and 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 every and then exactly contrive i don't know contrive i don't know exactly what that means but you are there to mm -hmm. support the journey of somebody else to do something yeah via yeah. asana i mean we are teaching asana mainly but it's a tool and then you see a story of a person through an asana practice as well you can see yeah. a lot of things through an asana practice. And uh, we are there to help people to get what they want, can, and are able to sustain because also that is important for. Because yeah. sometimes you can get so excited by throwing a lot of asana, but then the person can sustain that for how long. Or right. people want to have a lot of asana, but can they... Like I always come back to the Ferrari stuff example. <laughs> that one thing is to have a Ferrari for one day. One thing is to have a Ferrari for a life. Are you able to sustain <laughs> that kind of <laughs> expenses? You know, commitment. Yeah, yeah. commitment. I, I, so I have to yes. say that um, as far as uh, Ferrari goes, uh, Charles Leclerc is uh, Harmony's favorite Formula One driver. <laughs> He drives okay. for Ferrari, and we'll be rooting for Ferrari this weekend. Yes, okay. big so, Ferrari fans over yes. here, Susanna. You know, which things are important in life? These are very important. 
<laughs> yeah. We hope someday to go to to go to uh, Monaco and see uh, Leclerc Monaco, drive yeah. the Ferrari. Yeah, the that's, Ferrari. that's, that's yeah. our dream. It's our yes. dream for us. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. In the meantime, think... we'll go to Austin for the Grand Prix in Texas in October. So we'll go there. That's <laughs> very cool. I'm, I'm very <laughs> positively envious about that. One of the six enemies is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. what is what is next for you now? You've 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 left Copenhagen. You're in yes. Roma. You have no school. You're teaching. What's the plan? How will you, will you find new love? Have you have you left that behind? What's going on now? Uh, you know, I am the woman without uh, a clear picture of the future. We never. Be <laughs> <laughs> so everything is possible. Mm. I, I like it oh, but yes for sure this is like I said this is my third incarnation which I don't know mm. we, where we will bring uh, mm-hmm. and people are keeping asking me if I open a place you do you, so I never say never I also learned that never say never yeah. so you don't know uh, I don't know what is happening and uh, I like a lot teaching I figured out that actually that I am yeah. I love teaching uh, mm-hmm. in whatever form it is, even through a screen. I love that as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, of course, in presence as a totally different uh, yeah. taste. <laughs> Preferred methodology. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. I, just like, I just like moving and adjusting and getting into a flow and moving from one adjustment to the next adjustment to the next adjustment. And, and each time you're, you're completely attuned to that unique individual and what their fear and their pain is, and you are totally listening to their to their whole being in that moment, and mm. it, and then hours go by like that. I think it's it's so beautiful, yeah. and it's I it's really miss it. It's like a, yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say that, Susanna. I was gonna say it's like a meditative state you enter into. Yeah, but I think it's true. If I have to be honest. Yeah. Uh, when I now I'm talking about Copenhagen, but now whatever uh, I say handle of a door I open up and enter in the miser room, everything else gets a pose. Whatever drama <laughs> is happening, whatever beautiful, I'm just the time is stopping and there is the miser room where exactly this meditative state starts. So and it's everything really, else drops away. Yeah. Yes, we are really privileged to be to have this opportunity to be in those rooms uh, where yeah. where something special happens every time. It's one yeah. or the other. It's uh, a success. Is uh, not success. Is fear. Is anger. Is joy. Is sadness. Whatever. Uh, it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we are really privileged to to be able to to witness this and this is what also I love in seeing people growing yeah. is what I'm doing as well. I start also to have some people that they like to that they seem like what I'm doing so they are following. So in somehow is a shala is a, a moving shala. <laughs> I'm building yeah, up at the moment on wheel. It's a shala <laughs> on wheel. Yes. So I don't know if I will get somewhere more sta- more static. Uh, I have to say I like I like this nomadic life. I've been having a very m- much more static life. I've been almost twenty mm-hmm. years in a shop and twenty eighteen years in a shala. 
So very mm-hmm. kind of static somehow. And my vata now finally can express it. So my nomadic, <laughs> my nomadic uh, uh, I would say, uh, nature is coming up. Mm. I love to be in the airport, in the railway station. I feel like life. Oh, I do too, actually. Yeah. So it's like, I really like this. I have to say, yeah. I yeah. like this moment uh, of life, though there are also, yeah. So no, nothing is excluded. Nothing as, I mm. hope to include everything, but this is, I mean, I put this, the, the dream in, in, the, in the sky, I say in the ether. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> ether, I say. Either in English. Either, yeah. either, either. Either or either, neither or neither. No. Neither, neither, neither. So, so I don't, um, I don't know, really. Actually, I really don't know. Well, someday, I hopefully as as soon, I would love to come back to Bologna and see the uh, Museo de Morandi. That's the the first thing I want to do if I can get out of my house again. Oh. And then maybe we can come down to to Roma and see you. That would be That'd so be nice. That would be so beautiful. That would be mm. so nice. I think if we don't see it before in India, that would be fantastic. To come <laughs> yes. to Bologna or Rome or whatever, and then we meet yeah. for pizza. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <that'd be> <laughs> Friday, Friday night pizza. It's a, it's oh, a Saturday, nice yeah, tradition. It okay, we can, yeah. Yeah, exactly. we can choose where we go. <laughs> Yes. We can have it for lunch. It's fine. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, I don't know if I've been saying something wise or just uh, blabbering with my Italian spirit, but it's, it's been very nice. Each, so each of these are, are so unique and people, and, and Harmony and I ourselves, we also experience it, that we feel the total uniqueness of the person. And yeah. it's always, it's such a, it's, it's, it's a wonderful way for us to really, we ask questions of our old friends. We would never ask ever. <laughs> we would never ask about where your parents met. You know, we would never do that, you know? Yeah. And so it's, it's what, it's this wonderful opportunity to really feel um, like in the, how the Ashtanga yoga practice is so unique to the individual. When we do this yeah. podcast, we really feel the uniqueness of the person in the interview. It's like, oh. This person's quite different and interesting. Yes. Oh, that's that's and so nice. much of what you said was very wise, Susanna. So. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know. I'm always feel strange when people say that I'm wise because it seems like people. Some, <laughs> I've met some friends now in um, in France, in Spain, in these uh, past weeks that mm-hmm. I have been friends with them before doing yoga. Uh, so ah, I yeah. go back to them, kind of. Uh, Making yeah. spiral in my life at the moment. Yeah. Coming back it. and going to move on, moving on again. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those said, Ah, oh, but you were always wise. And said, Okay, that sounds. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that sounds it's in your nature. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's I what drew you to the practice. Probably. Yeah, some, <laughs> some kind of, but I'm not like that. Uh, I have some, there is some work to do. <laughs> I think we all have the work to do still. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. That's the beauty. It's never that. ending. That's the beauty yeah. of, of it. So, yes, mm-hmm. I, I, 
I don't know where I'm going to be, but let's see. The yoga and the teaching, that's a part of, of what I see. Then how? I yeah. don't know. And of course, Maiso yeah. and Sharat and the friends and all, all coming together. And love? I don't know. I'm not exclude that as well from my life. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the future is filled with possibilities. Exactly. I like to see it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today, Susanna. It was so nice to reconnect with you. Thank you, Armani. It was so nice. Thank you for doing, for, for inviting me in this podcast. I'm really honored and I'm very happy. Thank you, Harmony. Thank you, Russell, very much. Thank you. Grazie. Thank you. Grazie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking waves There's a heart Oh,